Welcome to Pragmatic Live, the podcast for product people. I'm Mark Stiving, a pragmatic marketing instructor and pricing expert. And today we're joined by a very special guest, Mark Hunter. Now, I, I read a lot about pricing, as you guys might guess. And every once in a while, I run into this sales guy who writes about pricing. And it turns out that I've never read something that I disagreed with. And when I looked into who this guy really was, he's written a couple best-selling books. He's a professional speaker. He trains salespeople. And today, he's going to talk to us. Welcome, Mark. Hey, thank you for having me on. Looking forward to the conversation. Oh, it's going to be fun. It's going to be fun. So, so tell me about this. Well, let's start with this one. As product people, we so often make fun of salespeople. And, and we do that because we think salespeople are discounting too much or they're giving the product away. They won't sell our value. First off, is that, is that a legitimate thing for us to make fun of? And why does that happen? Yes, I think you can make fun of it because salespeople are way too quick to offer the discount. This has been a mission I've been on for years to get salespeople to stop doing that. So, hey, you and I, we're closely aligned. We are, we are, we not only share the first name, but we have a kindred spirit in terms of our uh, anti-discounting belief. Yes. <laughs> so I actually find it fascinating because my focus is always on what are the things I have to give sales to help them be more successful. But what do you focus on when you work with salespeople? Well, what I focus on is it really starts with the whole personal personal belief system and the personal attitude of the salesperson. Here's what I have found. Uh, and, and I'll go back to my own history of, of sales. Uh, I, I would be very quick to go in and ask my boss, hey, can we discount the price? If we can discount this price, I can close this deal. Mm -hmm. And my boss too frequently would say, okay, I'll, I'll see if we can get a discount. And I wish my boss had pushed back on me and said, look, sucker, would you learn how to sell the value of the proposition? That's how you'll get full price. You see, what happens is when salespeople go into a situation knowing they can discount a price, guess what? They discount the price. It just, it starts with the mindset. Yeah, I, I, I often put up a chart when I'm teaching the pricing class and the chart shows we've got these big discount spikes at 5%, 10%, 15%. And, and I asked the room, why do you think that is? And of course they're guessing. It turns out the reason is if we give sales the, the authority to discount to 5%, guess what happens? They discount to 5%. I think that's the correct answer, right? <laughs> <laughs> we, get, we get these big spikes. So, so what can the rest, of, you focus on the, the salespeople and I love that. What can the rest of the company do to help salespeople uh, sell value, not discount price? Yeah, there, there are really two things that I think the rest of the organization can be doing to help sales. One, take pricing authority away from sales. I, and, and I'm adamant on this. And, and believe me, when I share this with organizations, when I share this with sales teams, you can hear the gasp and it's like, oh, no, I got to be all that discount. And you know what's funny is that people will argue, oh, I have to have the ability to discount. I have to have the ability to discount. And Whenever we've implemented this strategy, and I've implemented this strategy with a number of companies, uh, yes, you do go through a little bit of a, a, a short blip of fewer deals being closed. But you know what happens? Amazingly enough, the salespeople learn how to sell the value. And if you take price out of their, out of their bucket, out of their bag of tricks, uh, guess what? they figure out other tools to use. So that, that, is the, that is the first thing. Take all pricing authority away from sales. Two, 
focus more uh, not on the the features and the benefits. I, I, I'm sorry, we have we have beat features and benefits to death. <laughs> what we got to focus on is the value of the outcome. The value of the outcome. This is why somebody uh, will sit down in an airplane seat and pay $800 for a ticket when sitting right next to them. That same, uh, you know, person sitting next to them only paid $100 because the person sitting who paid $100 is going to visit their their grandkids have the entire month of October to go visit their grandkids. Whereas the person who paid $800 must be in that city by 10 a.m. to be able to close a million dollar deal. What's the value of the outcome? Help sales organizations understand not just what is the outcome, but the value to the customer. That suddenly changes the whole perception as to how you look at price. Well, I, I, I couldn't agree with what you just said more. Um, I, although I want to talk about the first one, the second one I think is way more important. How do we help them sell value? Um, there's a concept that I ran into for the first time. It was probably a year ago, two years ago, called a value conversation. Have you heard that? No, I mean, I, I, I've heard those two words put together, but I, I think you're taking me to an idea that I have not heard before. So share it, please. <laughs> yeah. Um, so there's a book, uh, it was written by Mahan Khalsa, and I'm, I don't remember the name of the book. I apologize but uh, he was teaching salespeople and his concept for a value conversation is essentially, I'm going to go find out from you. What are the important things you're trying to do when you buy my, uh, when you buy a product that looks like this. And then I've got this series of questions I can ask. So, you know, how do you measure that? What is it today? What would you like it to be in the future? And then what's the value if we could make that happen? Boom. I love that. I love that. That's what it's all about. It's understanding how is this outcome going to help you. This is, this is why so many salespeople get hung up because they say, oh, our price is too high. I, I don't see the value in what we sell. It's not up to the salesperson to determine the value. It's up to the customer yes. to determine the value. Yeah. And, and so we often see these companies come up with ROI calculators, right? I'm going to give you a salesperson to go out, go say these words, tell them they're going to make this much money or save this much money. But those don't seem to fly unless you do that with the customer and let the customer fill out the ROI calculator. Oh, yes. I mean, if, 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 if the customer does not fill it out, here's the whole thing. When the customer says, I, I always say, uh, I can't take something to the bank until the customer has said it twice. Customer may say something once just in passing, but if they, if they come back and talk about that topic twice, then you know, then you know it's a critical issue. And that's, that's what I'm listening for. I'm listening for that. And then my whole objective is to say, how do I quantify what that, what that value is? What, what is that outcome worth? And again, it comes back to why, Two people will pay vastly different prices for the same thing and feel both are getting absolute amazing value. Oh, that's absolutely true. And so if we jump back to the first one real quickly, you were taking sales or discount authority price decisions away from sales. You wouldn't even give them the 5% discount authority. No, no, don't give them the 5% discount. Now, well, here's two things. Here's two things I want to do. One, Cash is king, okay? And, and as soon as you discount a price, you have discounted your value perception in the mind of the customer forever. What I would prefer to do is to say, okay, is there something additional 
we can offer? Is there some other way? In other words, what can, if, if I have to discount, if I have to provide some sort of incentive, what can I provide that is of low cost to me, the salesperson, and of high value to you, the customer? That low cost, high value might be simply delivery by 10 a.m. Uh, it might be uh, a single a single invoice. It might be, you know, a tutorial manual. It might be a on online access to something. Who knows? But that's that's where you that's where you create, uh, if you have to, that added incentive without disrupting price. It's Nahito season. It's time to get out of your office and into the market. Find out more at pragmaticmarketing.com. Yeah, that's the that's the key there. And, and so do you not give discounts? You just say you can't give a discount? Do you have an escalation authority somewhere back into the company? What, what's your recommendation on that? Well, if, if, an organi- if a salesperson says, hey, I've got to close, okay, that's fine, but it's got to go through a hierarchy. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's not going to be their immediate boss because their immediate boss can say, well, gee, I got to make my numbers this quarter, so let me go ahead and off, <laughs> offer, offer up this discount. It's got to be at least a two-step approval process, and I don't care how you set that up. You got to set it up at least as a two-step. Accountability. When you don't have accountability in an organization with regards to pricing, it's amazing how quickly profit will go out the door. Oh, I could see that completely. And, and I like the idea of the escalation authority landing in the lap of someone who has P&L responsibility. That is huge because now they're going to look at it from a really a 360 degree perspective. Because again, I find so many sales managers and I'm, guilt, I'm guilty of this when I was a sales manager. I would make, I would make very quick hit decisions uh, for the sake of making this quarter's number, period. Yeah, it's um, it's fascinating. So, how did you get into pricing? What happened? What? How did you get to know what you know? <laughs> well, how? Yeah, how I got I, my background is actually consumer packaged goods, and um, so in in that regard, you really learn very quickly price elasticity models and all of these variations and and what pricing can do. So then, as I kind of moved into different. Uh, um, venues of selling. I, I, I simply took a lot of those same pricing philosophies with me. And here's what, here's what I found. Uh, as I began developing, this is such a critical need out there. I mean, the, the, I, I, back, I don't know, 10 years ago or so, I, I, I wrote a couple of articles regarding pricing. And uh, they got picked up by, I don't know, Fortune or Forbes or something like that. And it just, boom, the phone just rang off the hook. And so what did that do? That said, whoa, we got a critical need here. And I, and I just kind of passed it off. So then I, I began making it more and more of my uh, 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 focus. In fact, the last book I just came out with, High Profit Prospecting. Um, one of the arguments, people will sit there and say, well, I thought you're talking about pricing. What's this process? Well, I said, here's the reason. That the big reason why people oftentimes have to discount is because they start off with the wrong prospect. If you start off with the right prospect, it's amazing how you can how you can close the deal at full price. You know, the, the analogy I like to use is you can't take a Walmart shopper and make them a Nordstrom customer. It's just not going to happen. 
if you're Nordstrom, you got to start off with those who are most likely Nordstrom customers. If you're Walmart, you got to start off with most likely Walmart. You know, know, know your lane and stick to it. Absolutely. And different people are willing to pay different amounts. They get different value. We have to be able to figure that out. And as you just pointed out, could we find the right people to sell to? That's, that's the whole key. See, the right price starts with the right prospect. And this is where I think, now I got to call out marketing. Many marketing departments are all about lead generation. And that's, that's great. But here's the big problem. Lead generation is more than just warm bodies. I mean, I, I mean I'll tell you what. I mean, I, I've got a wonderful dog. And that dog is a warm body. But that dog ain't ever buying anything from me. <laughs> it's just, just never buying it. You know, I mean, you, you, you've got to get, and, and this is, again, it, it, the warm body is not just because they line up demographically or psychographically or, or economically or anything like that. The, the right buyer is because they have an outcome that lines up with the outcomes I provide. That's what you got to look at. Look at the outcomes and back your way up stream to find the right prospects. Yeah. So when I think of, um, as you said, high, uh, high profit prospecting, it seems to me that it should be marketing's responsibility to fill the funnel, to find the leads. And so instead of telling salespeople, Hey, you're not talking to the right people. I think we should be telling marketing people, Hey, you're not filling the funnel with the right people. Well, yeah. Now you're going to, Oh, oh boy, I tell you what, you just scratched an itch and I got to go after it here. <laughs> You see, I think lead generation. This is this is oh, this is going this is going to upset some of your people. Okay, uh, good. I think lead generation should be owned by sales. I really do. I really think, and I want marketing to focus on creating awareness, education, brand equity. That's what I want them to focus on. And if marketing now, I, I'm not I'm not taking marketing out, off off the hook. Believe me, what they play is a very very critical role because if they don't if they don't work on brand positioning, if they don't work on education and awareness, uh, there's never going to be a market there. But I think the best person to understand who the right prospects are is probably sales. So I think sales should own the lead generation process. Hmm. I'm not sure I can see how that works yet, though. Um, I agree with everything you said that marketing does have to own. How does sales, uh, do salespeople do cold calls nowadays? Well, yeah, actually they do. And now again, this is going to vary. You can't really say do salespeople make cold calls. That, that, that's a blanket statement. Yes. And, and I'll sit there and say, it's going to depend on the industry. There's a lot of industries that, that cold calling is very much used uh, very, very cost effectively. There's other industries where no, it, it doesn't happen. See, see now what I'm, let me back up here and say, I'm not saying marketing shouldn't be going after lead generation, but they should be doing it under the guidance of sales. Sales is going to help them understand who is, who is that, who is that outcome person company that you want to be going after. My, my whole, my whole premise here is that if, if everybody is aligned on getting the right prospect to begin with, we'll actually be able to close and close faster. And closing fast is creating value for the customer, especially in B2B situations. Yeah, by the way, I agree with everything. Um, I, I, think, I think we need sales and marketing to both be going in the exact same direction finding the same prospects, understanding the customer value, talking about value, not talking about features and benefits. I, I agree with you completely on that. 
Yeah, because it, this is it, the, the silliest argument I always hear. And of course, this goes back to, you know, this is the chicken and egg question. You know, why do we have sales and marketing? Well, we have sales and marketing. So each group has somebody else to blame when their numbers aren't right. I mean, I mean come on. I mean, that, that, that's been going on for years. And I'm tired of it. It's, we we got to get on the same page. Yeah, I, I can't imagine why they're not. I mean, sales is short-term, marketing's more long-term. Right. They're both after the exact same thing. They are both after. But see, now this is what's interesting. What oftentimes happens is the KPIs and the measurement tools with which both are measured on are many times so radically different. In other words, the marketing department might be measured on website views or GPs or you know recall scores or any you know anything anything a number, and sales is being measured on deals they're closing. And oftentimes, what happens is they can get wonky in terms of how they're going after each other, and they really got to become more closely aligned, much more closely aligned. Yeah, when we teach marketing, we actually try to get rid of those other goals that you just talked about. I mean, great, you're going to measure yourself on those and see if my program was effective. But what we really care about is, are you affecting company profitability, revenue? There you go. Because you know what? You can't take clicks and likes to the bank. Oh, no, absolutely. I tell, I tell this to salespeople all the time who sit there and say, well, I, I, I push this out on social media. I said, look, my bank doesn't take clicks and likes. I don't know about your bank, but uh, you're going to starve. Bad, bad salespeople have shoeless kids. Okay. Let's just leave it at that. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, okay. So we talked a little bit about uh, marketing and how marketing can help sales. What about product? In my world, we deal a lot with high tech companies and high tech companies are moving products, changing products constantly. What should they be thinking of in terms of how they help salespeople be, uh, have products to sell better? Well, from, from a product, from a product perspective, we have to be looking at what is going to be the customer need a year, two years, three years from now. Now, it's going to depend on the industry. There are some SaaS companies I work with that they're really asking this question, what's the customer going to need 30 days from now? Because the marketplace is changing so rapidly. Yep. There are other hard good manufacturers that ask this question, what's the, what's the customer going to need five years from now, 10 years from now? Okay, so that's always going to be. But what is essential is the product, this is going to sound really, really kind of weird. It really makes no difference what I sell. It really doesn't make any difference what I sell. It doesn't even make a difference as to how I sell. What makes a difference is why I sell. Now, let's put this in the context of a salesperson. You see, I've been asked, I've been asked to work with a lot of companies um, who have products that I'm really not enamored with, but I'm fascinated by working with them because of the why, because of the outcome that they create. Everybody in the organization has to be focused on the outcome you help your customers achieve. So the product is purely only the, the conduit to allow us to have that conversation, to allow us to get to that position to be able to help you, the customer. See, my, my objective of, or my uh, definition of sales and marketing, product and leadership is all the same. It's to help others see and achieve what they didn't think was possible. You know, think about it. any product that is manufactured. What is it designed to do? It's designed to help somebody see and achieve what they didn't think was possible. 
That's, that's pretty fascinating. Now, uh, what pragmatic marketing typically teaches is just the other side of that exact concept. And that is, if you're going to go out and find, uh, build new products, we're going to start by finding problems mm-hmm. that aren't solved. Right. And of course, solving problems is the outcome. It's the result. It's what we right. want to sell. Yeah, I, I, I love that. And see, what does that mean? It comes back to being a, uh, the ears of the marketplace, not the voice of the marketplace. And when I'm the ears of the marketplace, I'm really understanding. You know, St- Steve Jobs was a master of this. He probably did this better than anybody else in our current generation or maybe for 100 years. I mean, when he came out with the iPhone, I didn't know I needed a camera in my phone. I didn't know I needed a, a music player in my phone. I didn't even know I needed a, a smartphone. But boy, it's amazing. He, he sure created something, you know. So what did he do? He was able to foresee what we didn't realize we needed. And He's, yeah, he saw problems we didn't see. That's, Absolutely. That's, you know, that, that's really what, we, what we, we have to, we have to think, we have to realize that we are all part of our customers R&D department. We are, we are their research and development department. And I don't care what role you play, you know, whether you're in sales, whether you're in marketing, whether you're in manufacturing, whatever, we are all our customers R&D department. And, and it's our objective to be poking, probing, prodding, searching um, our customers and non-customers, and, and probably almost non-customers more than customers, terms of really understanding what are the outcomes that they're looking for? How do we help them get there? Yeah, it's pretty fascinating. Okay, Mark, I think our time is just about up. I, I've just found this so fascinating. Is there, is there like one message you want to give to product managers or product marketers and how they could go help salespeople? Yes, here's, here's the message, and it's, a, and it's a comment I leave with salespeople. More discounts are given, not because of the demands of the customer, but are given because of the mindset of the sales organization. And let people chew on that one. Yeah. And, yeah. Okay. Well, Mark, thank you. Thank you so much for joining us today. I, I just thought this was amazing. Thank if, you. If people want to contact you, how would they do that? Yeah, the best way is uh, my last name is Hunter. That's my real last name. So we did have to put it in the company name, The Sales Hunter. We are thesaleshunter.com. So if you go out, check that site out. There's plenty of downloads in there. I've got some pricing eBooks and some other stuff out there, but it's thesaleshunter.com. Perfect. Thank you. And to our listeners, I hope you enjoyed that just half as much as I did. Um, What did you think? Let us know. Send us an email to experts at pragmaticmarketing.com. And most importantly, don't forget to listen to the next episode of Pragmatic Live. Mm